0: So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. John chapter 20, verse 25. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please bless my words, my preaching this morning to be true and give glory to you in your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen. The testimony of the apostles is a unique witness because they are the eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus, our Lord. And that really eyewitness and apostle are near synonyms in the New Testament. Their witnesses, um, compared to ours, more, I'm, I can't think of a better word to use than epistemically definite It It establishes it as a real and public fact. This is a thing that they have witnessed. as sure as if you witnessed a football game and you saw the winner, you knew you are the witness. I saw them win. They saw Jesus risen from the tomb. We, of course, do our witnesses to Jesus as well, but our witness is a spiritual witness we haven't seen with our eyes. And our testimony, I believe, in the resurrection of Jesus not first because I've had a spiritual experience of that reality, although that's true, but built on their eyewitness testimony because they witnessed it and inspired by the Spirit preached about it and then the Spirit inspired them to put that witness into sacred scripture. Their eyewitness account is the foundation on which I believe and know that Jesus was risen from the dead as a real fact. And on top of that eyewitness experience, our Christian spiritual experience is built. It's a witness that they gave um, first in two decades of preaching, beginning at that first Pentecost, which we just heard read from Acts, when Peter says, This Jesus God raised up, and and of that we all are witnesses. And he means that in the legal sense, that we are the eyewitnesses. We saw him in his resurrected body. Teaching that Peter would then um, affirm and, and speak about again in his letter... 1 Peter, which we also heard, when he writes to the church, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Which echoes with those words he heard on the second Sunday after Easter, right? When Jesus says to Thomas, Though blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Peter internalizing those words of Jesus and then re-speaking them, as it were, by the Spirit. Though you have not seen him, you love him. But built into that is his own witness, I have seen him. All of us Christians, since the apostles, we have to wait till heaven to see Jesus with with our eyes. But the apostles got to get a glimpse of that before heaven. That's what makes them apostles. That their testimony is a unique witness. So, um, I want to establish their witness uh, as unique. But that doesn't mean that our spiritual experience of Jesus is nothing. It's just a different sort of witness. It establishes a different kind of testimony. It's just as credible, it's just as meaningful, but it is of a different variety, a different flavor than the apostles themselves. Nevertheless, um, the idea I want to propose to you this morning is that the conditions by which we encounter the risen Christ, not with our eyes, but through the Holy Spirit, are very similar and even suggested to us, I think, by the gospel details that we heard in the gospel reading from John chapter 20. And before I go there, I just need to make a quick distinction, which is that um, encountering Jesus is not like the genies of fiction, where if you say the right incantation, you find the genie, right? It's not, Jesus is not at our bidding. We're at his bidding. Just like Jesus says about the Holy Spirit of God, like the wind, it it blows where it, it will. But there are conditions in John chapter 20 which make ready our hearts and ourselves to encounter Jesus, and so let me describe them. They were gathered in John 20 on a Sunday, it says the eighth day, but that's an inclusive description almost certainly. Um, So it's a Sunday, the disciples are gathered together, so that's two, the doors were locked, third condition. And I think almost certainly they were celebrating Holy Communion. It doesn't say that uh, in the text that they're in the midst of it, but. The Lord had said, do this in remembrance of me. And so we can assume some degree of obedience to that. But also our earliest witnesses from church history record that the Christians gathered on Sundays to celebrate Holy Communion. We actually even hear of it in the letters of pagan emperors writing about Christians in this sort of, what are these people doing? They gather on this one day to celebrate Jesus as God. So, those four conditions, here we are, regathered, on the very day of the week on which Jesus was raised, which is why we sing Easter hymns on many Sundays through the year, but especially all the Sundays of Eastertide. Jesus Christ is risen today. It's not Easter Sunday, but it's Sunday, the day on which he was raised. We're regathered on this day, and we've gathered together as Christians, as the baptized, as the believing, Recalling Jesus' words in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered in my name, There am I among them. The gravity of that promise struck me afresh. It's not, there will be blessing, or there I am among them. And the Lord doesn't speak in metaphors, or sometimes he does speak in metaphors when he says, I am the door. But this is a very definite promise. I am among them. In his risen, embodied life, through the power of the Spirit, he is among us. We've gathered on his day together with brother Christians. And then this third detail, perhaps less intuitively, this idea of the locked door. I want to interpret it allegorically to say that a locked door of the church building is nothing. I think in the spirit in which Jesus tells Christians to pray, when you pray, go into your closet and close the door. Which is a teaching to say, when you want to encounter the Lord, you have to block out the world temporarily, temporarily the clamor and the noise and the demands of the world that is always around us. I often am reminded in the midst of an okay, often busy life with young children and different things of the line of that, uh, the poet who says, the world is too much with us, fast and late. Right? It's too much with us. We actually have to close the door. We have to lock the door. So all the things that would clamor for our attention, the news headlines, the social media posts, the appetites of the flesh, the gossip that we heard this week, whatever it may be, to close the door, to lock the door, to make some space and ask for the Lord Jesus to come to us. We lock the door. We gather together on His day. We lock the door. And to the degree that we then are free to lock in our attention to the central claim of our faith that Christ died for us. I love how we say it in this Eucharistic rite we're about to pray that He was raised we lock in with our attention in faith, we are actually then open to encountering mystically the Lord Jesus himself through faith and through the Spirit. Through word, with God's help, sometimes through sermon, and through sacraments of Holy Communion and the ritual that adorns it, which try and draw our attention to the glory of Christ in this meal When we do these things together as we are now doing, we create the conditions by which we can reasonably expect to encounter Jesus Christ. And just to speak with a footnote of realism, there are many Sundays where I come in faith to this gathering for Holy Communion. And I don't feel anything in particular. That there's not always, in fact, rarely is the emotional experience of, oh my gosh, the grace of Christ Jesus is overwhelming and amazing. Sometimes I have that feeling. But I trust that his presence comes to us, that he is among us as he promised in so many ways. I know that he has, and sometimes it's a spiritual knowledge, independent of emotions. Sometimes it has emotions. But a spiritual knowledge, that Jesus has met us afresh. He's renewed his covenant with us in this covenant meal that we celebrate. And I want to um, conclude on this last point, the sacrament of communion. So real is Christ's presence in holy communion. He, the night before he died, said, this is my body, this is my blood. That I actually want to quote words far more um, trustworthy than my own because from a much holier man who lived for and followed the Lord for many more decades than I have, yet, Uh, St. Cyril of Alexandria. In the 5th century, he wrote this about communion, and I want to end with these words because they're better than anything I could have written in a sermon he gave. Christ visits us visibly in the body. He suffers us to touch his holy flesh and gives us thereof. For through the grace of God, we are admitted to partake of the blessed Eucharist, receiving Christ into our hands to the intent that we may firmly believe that he did in truth raise up the temple of his body. For the partaking of the blessed Eucharist is a confession of the resurrection of Christ. I want to pause his quotation to only add the comment. Do you see the connection there? That if we had a meal about that was just remembering some, a, a dead body, this would not be a real and living meal. This is a meal participating in a living, and a living body, a his body up in heaven. It's a confession of the resurrection of Christ. Participation then in communion. This is Cyril again. In addition to filling us with divine blessedness, is a true confession and memorial of Christ's dying, and rising again for us and for our sake let us therefore after touching Christ's body shrink back from unbelief in him as utter ruin and rather be found well grounded in the full assurance of faith amen